going to take you in another direction because we talked about focus on discipline, and I wish I had time to run down through that, but I don't. But it is on the YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search for The Harbor Worship Center. When the icon pops up, click on that. You can subscribe to our channel, and you can go watch all of those messages. But today, I want you to know Galatians 5 and 22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and Peace. Now, there's nine fruits of the Spirit, but I want to deal with, with peace. It is time for us to refocus on peace. Are you with me? Peace. Uh, and I know some of y'all say, well, I am my piece of money, my piece of land. That's a different piece. Uh, my piece of the pie. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about peace. Be still. I'm talking about the opposite of conflict. Peace is the antonym of conflict. Are you with me? Say Amen. All right, and, and so uh, here's what you got to understand today. It is not God's desire for you and I to live in perpetual conflict. That might be news to some of you. It is not God's desire for God's people to live in a constant state of perpetual conflict. Uh, and I want to help you out with that because there, there are several things we're talking about here. You've got the church, and, and you got the world. You and I live in this world, but we are not of this world. However, we don't think we're so good that we can't mix and mingle and let our light shine and our salt influence this world. Uh, amen? So listen, we, it is not God's desire for us to live in constant and perpetual conflict. Now I want to tell you something. There is a difference in conflict between Christians and the general world and, and Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's getting real quiet, man. And so let me help you then. All of us has had conflict. I'll tell you, I had conflict last, um, um, it was Easter last year, the Monday after Easter. I was so beside myself because these little lights on the side right here, there's four of them, they cost $750. We had spent $2,000 on this stage set. We was ready for Easter. All of this, now this is behind the scenes stuff. You don't know it. I preached through it last Easter. But we paid $96 to this shipping company on a Wednesday for them to be here within 24 hours. Are you with me? Just to make for sure, for sure, we would get them before Easter. And did you know when I got them Monday after Easter, I was livid. I was still saved. But I was on the telephone, and well, we're just sorry. That's how it is. We can't help everything. I know it, but you charged my $96. $96 to a church. We paid for 24-hour shipping. You, we can't get none of that back. Well, it just happened sometime like that. We're sorry. And uh, I said, hold on a minute. And, and so I need to talk to your supervisor. And so finally, did you know I went to the next level up, and I still had conflict. And finally, I just sat down. I said, you know what, these knuckleheads... They ain't going to understand nothing there. So I wrote them an email about a page long. I said, I want you to know something. I said, first of all, you would think that anybody in the business of people would want to satisfy the customer. Because you had free shipping, I could have waited 10 days and got it free. But it seems like anybody with any business sense at all would split the difference and just give me $40 or $50 back and shut me up. I said, but... That ain't no way to do business, not when you promise somebody something. And they said, well, we got them to you on Monday. I said, I don't care if it came Christmas. It wasn't on Easter. Are y'all with me? Saying, and I was still saved, and I was real nice about the way I said it, but I said it. And I said, furthermore, 
The Harbor Worship Center buys all kind of electronics, but we won't never buy a stick of gum from you or a shoestring. Period. Because you don't hold up your end of the deal. About an hour later, a manager emailed me and said, Pastor, we're real sorry about this conflict. We're going to meet you halfway on that shipping. I said, that's all I wanted you to do to start with. Now, now, now I don't want you to get so focused on that because that was a conflict of tangible things. These lights didn't get here, and I was aggravated because we had spent all this money, and, and all you people come to work, and we worked hard, and I was thinking that it was the missing piece. Y'all didn't even know it until I told you about it, but nonetheless, it was really a big deal to me. That's a tangible, physical item, and I was aggravated because they didn't get it here. Now, that's one thing. That's one type of conflict. Another is between me and my wife, or me and my brother, or me and my cousin. Are you hearing me say amen? You and your Christian brother or sister sitting beside you, something that is intangible, but I'm telling you it is far more important than getting these lights on time. So what I want to say to you is this, that God does not want us to live in a state of perpetual conflict. I'm not saying that there is not conflict. There is obviously conflict. Conflict between good and evil. Conflict between right living and sin. I'm speaking more of the conflict between brothers and sisters. Please remember, we are the ambassadors of God on this earth. Here's the example that Jesus gave us. When they were killing him, when they were nailing his hands and his feet, when they had plaited a crown of thorns on his head, when they had gambled for his clothes, after they had stripped him and beat him and spat upon him, he looked into the Roman centurion's eyes and thought about God and said, Father, forgive him. He don't know what he's doing. And if Jesus can give you and I such an example in such turmoil and such pain when everything is at stake, I would say to you that you and I could resolve conflict as well. Well, I'm going to preach anyway. So uh, Jesus has already told us in John 16 and 33, in this world you will have trouble. But take heed, I have overcome the world. Listen, we live in a chaotic society. And the problem and the reason we are divided is we choose to focus on things that divide us rather than on things that unite us. Let me tell you, I have a myriad of brothers and sisters in the Lord. I've got a lot of pastors. We do not see things eye to eye theologically. However, we agree that Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Father, born of the Virgin Mary. Amen. We believe that He came to this earth, that He lived 33 years and was crucified, that He died for my sins. He's the propitiation for my sin. He's the supreme sacrifice. He was buried and He was raised from the dead on the third day. We agree on these major things, and so we refuse to allow these little foxes to spoil the vine. And this conflict that don't, whether you speak in tongues or not, I don't care. You can go to heaven without speaking in tongues. I'm not diminishing. I speak with tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. He said, but in the church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words of understanding than 10,000 in an unknown tongue unless there be an interpreter. And this is not a message about tongues today. Obviously, we're Pentecostal, and we embrace the gift of the Spirit. I've got a lot of people, though, that, that would uh, upset and break the bond of peace because they can't get their way. And you know what? God's not happy with all of us that have to win every single time. Let me, let me move on. Did you know what the Bible says um, in Proverbs 29, 17? Uh, well, this goes on to last week, but I don't have it. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. Amen? Discipline your children, and they'll give you My dad read that one a whole lot, I can guarantee you. So, let me say this, 
just, you don't, you don't have to look at your neighbor or your wife, but just say this with me. You don't always have to be right. <laughs> Some of y'all said it with confidence, amen. <laughs> I bet everyone in this room has had their share of conflict, and you felt like you had to be right. And I've been there. I, and listen, there are certain things that, that are non-negotiables. Like, again, if we was going to deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then if he didn't rise from the dead, then we're still in our sins. So, I mean, uh, obviously that's not a negotiable situation there. But um, I'm not talking about the conflict over the tangible. I'm talking about, uh, you know, such as these lights and whatever I'm talking about between brothers and sisters in the Lord. How many of us feel like we've always got to be right? Don't look around. Just look straight ahead and keep you out of hot water. It's true for all relationships. Uh, we don't have to be right about everything. How I many of you probably heard the saying before? Do you want to be right or you want to be happy? Hello? You want to be right or you want to be happy? You see, there is, I can't remember the word for it, the Japanese word, that it talks about that where one chooses rather to just say, everything's cool, man. I don't, I don't have to win this argument. I mean, let, let's talk about politics for a moment. I don't like to do that from the stage. But some of you have some very differing views than others of you. And that's okay. We still love God. We still agree on the majors. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But sometimes it's better to just say, well, praise God and God bless you than it is to fall out and break the bonds of peace over a good man or a good woman that just sees things differently than you see it. <laughs> that was a good place for an amen. I got one or two. Listen, um, I was reading about conflict among husbands and wives. Anybody ever had that? Conflicts among hus husbands and wives. And, and one of the best doctors says this, the best way to deal with it is for both people to realize that the other person is not the problem. <laughs> that, you, that you make your remarks concerning the problem, not the person. And you set that outside the marriage and you both try to work on the dilemma together to fix the problem, not the person, so to speak. And I know you're saying, but, but my husband is the problem or my wife is the problem and whatever. So anyway, let me move on. Here's what I need you to, if you don't do anything else, I want you to be like Jesus. And you know what Jesus was? Jesus was a peacemaker. Listen, I didn't say he was a doormat. Don't, don't you confuse yourself. He didn't just lay down. You remember one day he went to the house of God and they were selling birds and doves and this, that, and the other? And he, on purpose, premeditated, went and made a whip. And he come back and cleaned the house. I'm talking about he put a whipping on them. And he was saved when he got through. Amen. He cleaned the place out. I'm not saying because you're a peacemaker that you're a doormat. God don't expect us to be a doormat, but he does expect us to represent him well. Amen. So let me say this. Here's what he said in Matthew 5 and 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. I don't have to win everything. Now let me take you back to Hebrews. Here's kind of where the thrust of this, I really want to get into this. Hebrews 12 and 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Now here's a quick commercial, five seconds. Be here next week as we focus or refocus on holy living. Some of y'all done messed up thinking that you got to have your hair down to the floor and a dress to match. 
need to be here next week. Refocus on holy living. What does it mean to live holy in this crazy world? So you need to be here and bring somebody with you. But he said, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Now, sometimes I've tried every effort to live in peace with everyone. And I come to the conclusion we had to agree to disagree and part ways in peace. That's right. I've done that. I've done it right there in that office. And I said, well, brother, listen, I want us to come together as brothers. Lay everything on the table. I'm going to say exactly how I feel, and I want you to say exactly how you feel with no hidden agendas. And when we walk out of here, we're going to pray together uh, before we go, and either we're going to be reconciled as brothers or, or, or not, but then we'll agree to disagree. We see things differently, and we'll part ways in peace, both brothers in the Lord. And did you know most oftentimes we walk out there unified and it was a misunderstanding on one of our parts and we normally get it right. Are you with me? Very few times do we just have to part ways and say, God, you have to send somebody else to work this out because I can't. So, but let me move on. But blessed, uh, or excuse me, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Now, verse 15 says this. See that no one falls short of the grace of God. And now watch this. You've got to catch this if you don't catch nothing up. So, so really hone in. <coughs> So that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of, or no bitter root or root of bitterness grows to cause trouble and defile. Let me, let me tell you something. I grew up, you know, my grandparents owned a farm and we, we grew tobacco. How many of you ever worked in tobacco? Huh? Let me see, yeah. And tobacco gets what they call suckers. In other words, a stalk comes up, a leaf goes, big old tobacco leaf goes this way, and right in the middle of the, the, the leaf shoot and the main branch or, or the main trunk, a sucker will get right there in the middle and suck all the nutrients so that that leaf don't get like it ought to be. And we would spend days walking rows, it seemed like, from here to Folkestone and breaking them suckers out constantly. Are you with me? Say Amen. Because if you, if you don't, if you let it grow on up, it saps everything, and that sucker grows instead of the nice big tobacco leaf. Here's the deal. Some of you got a lot of suckers in your life. Don't look at nobody right now. Some of you got a lot of suckers in your life that are sucking everything out of your life. I'm not necessarily talking about people. I could be talking about things. But let me say this. And, and it has grown like that sucker, and it started small. And the next thing you know, you think the tobacco leaf is growing. Man, look at this thing. And bitterness has grown into your heart, and you're a mean-spirited and bitter person who thinks they still represent God, and they don't. Are you with me? Say amen. If we're not very careful, we'll let the devil slide right in and make us mean-spirited and bitter and yet try to tell people that the Prince of Peace resides in my heart. It can't work that way. Now, I know i got to fly this thing quick, man. See that no one falls short. He says, see that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau. You remember Esau, he, for a single meal, he sold his birthright and all of that stuff. Uh, some of us... We're exhausted like Esau. And if we're not careful, we will sell everything out for just a quick meal. I, I need to land this thing. Let me, let me just say it like this. Adam, if you'd come on. Uh, here, here's how you do it. In Matthew 5 and 33, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, go and be reconciled, and then come offer your gift. 
And then in Matthew 18 and 15, he says, if your brother or sister sins and they want you to go and point out that fault between you and them, uh, and if they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they don't listen to you, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if they still refuse, then tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen to the church, let them be as a pagan or a tax collector. What, what Jesus is showing, the power and the authority of the church here. He's saying that the church made the final decision. If I can't get it right between me and Ken, and then I bring James along with me and say, hey, brother, let's, uh, and maybe he brings somebody and, and we establish all the words among us and we still can't get it right. He said, guess what? Then the church will appoint some committee or someone to hear the argument. And when it's over, the church will speak and what the church says, final, period. But of course, now in today's world, you just go start another church. There's one on every corner. Or you just go, I mean, that's, that's what people do. But let me, let me shift gears, if I may. I, I was talking to you about refocusing on peace. Peace. And, and that's what we got to do. But I want to transition, if I may. One of the reasons we don't have peace like we ought to have is we don't stay in the Word of God like we ought to stay. We don't read as much as we ought to read. We don't, we don't dig in like we ought to dig in. One of the things that's coming up in February, actually we're pushing it, actually it starts February the 19th. We're going to start a brand new semester. It's our spring semester of our life groups. And the Lord laid upon my heart to do something a little bit different this time. The way we go about recruitment and the way uh, our leaders and so on and so forth are selected. And uh, so right now, I'm, I'm going to ask a question. And that question boils down to why do I do what I do? Why did Eddie and Denise serve for eight, nine, ten years in that? Why are people serving right now today? Why do those guys go out there in the parking lot? Why does people sit back here? And why do they come early, two, three hours all the time, just every week? There's a big why behind the what. Amen. And, and today I'm going to ask you something when I get through telling you this story. And I don't want an answer today. But I do next week. And it's going to boil down to uh, being willing to be an instrument in God's hands. Let me tell you a story. I got a few pics back there. There was a, a stunt man. His name was Michael Brady. There he is. His, he was an avid skydiver. He was a stunt man for Hollywood. Um, he was planning to do a stunt and I want to say it was in Florida, and he was going to jump from this lofty building and skydive onto this locomotive, this train. He'd done it before, but the day before, he goes out to check the rigging, and he's climbing, and he, you know, he climbs, and he's untethered. He's all the way to the height of that platform where he's going to actually base jump from there and, and come down on this train, and, but he slipped fell and the fall would prove fatal and killed him and across the country in another time in another place was another man by the name of William Wolfe William had wasted his life a 
think I have a pic of William back there somewhere. William had wasted his life. He smoked most of his life. He drank most of it. He was a high-powered executive. There he is. He had done all of the things wrong in life. He was way overweight, and his heart had literally failed him. In fact, the doctors told him that you're done. And he was so unhealthy, he couldn't even get on the transplant list. And so they put an artificial heart, Syncardia done it, an artificial heart they put in him for 159 days. He lived with an artificial heart pumping. And during that time, he was reoxygenated good enough. He felt better. He was able to do some things, and he was able to exercise somewhat, and he was able to get his weight under control, and he lost a lot of weight. And he got healthy enough that before he died, they said, you know what, you're strong enough now, you can go on the heart transplant list. And so he got on the list, and lo and behold, within a day or two, Brady Michaels, his stunt name, it was Michael Brady, but stunt name Brady Michael. He falls from that tower, and it's fatal. And they take that young man's heart of about 30 some odd years old, this avid, healthy, wonderful guy, and they took his heart. Guess where it went? Out to Arizona, where William Moore was at. And they rushed him to surgery. They opened his chest up and they put that stunt man's heart in his chest. They closed him back up. A perfect match. Unbelievable. It was so perfect. They sewed him back up and he began to get strong. And he began to think about all of his life and what he had done so wrong. And you know, he had already quit his smoking. He had already quit his drinking. He was a big-time business communications exec and all this. But he had a second chance in life, and he thought to himself, he said, you know what I want to do? I want to honor the life of the man that gave me life. So he found out that Brady Michaels was an avid sportsman, that he was so full of life and full of energy. And you know what he said? He said, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get in the best shape I've ever been in, and I'm going to run marathons. And I'm going to I'm going to do everything I can do to honor the name and to live up to the style that Brady Michaels lived up to. So he did. He began to train. He went to the gym. And this is a true story. Check it out. He worked on everything, and he got himself in great shape, and he began to enter races. It wasn't long. He went to the top, and he began to win races. He began to win medals. I mean, go first place medals. And, and I can't remember. It is way up in the number now. But he began to win all these medals, and it's just incredible. And the time came. You know, he's honoring this, this great man who lost his life. The, the time came that he got a letter asking, would he like to meet the family of the man whose heart he had received? And he was ecstatic. And so with a bunch of red tape and while they, they, they made a telephone call and he was able to talk to the family of the man whose heart he had received. And they set up a time and they set up a place in a certain city. And he got there about 30 minutes early. William did. And he's looking and he's seeing everything. Everybody pulls up into the motel lobby and he's watching them, watching them. And here comes this car and he pulls up and he said, that's, that's got to be them. And it was. And he comes to a stop and a, a lady got out, an older lady. He looked and he said, that must be his mother. And it was. She come around the car. And then a seat, open, a back door opened and a younger girl got out and he said, that must be his sister. And it right on down through the siblings and brother and then he looked behind a driver an old man got out 
he said, that must be his dad. And it wasn't. And his dad come, come walking toward that lobby. And he pulled something out of his pocket. And he walked in that room. And there's William Wold. This old man that threw everything away. Smoked, drank all his life, done all this kind of foolishness. And here's this old man that's walking in. His, his son was a stunt man. He had done everything right. He was in perfect health. And he fell. And he lost his life. But his heart was given to William. And that old man walked up to William. And William said to him, you must be his dad. He said, but more than a dad, me and Brady were best friends. He said, we did everything together. He said, I never, never one time missed a ball game. Never one time did I miss any tournament that he was in. I was at every, every time he swung the bat, every time he kicked the ball, I was there. He was my best friend. He was everything to me. He was life to me. Said, and if you would just permit me, if you would just permit me to put this listening instrument on your chest, I want to hear my son's heart beat just one more time. And he put his arm around William and he laid it to his chest. And there it is. He hears his son's heartbeat again. And he just wraps his arm around him because he's holding a piece of his son. And I just can't help but think if, if God could somehow just step and lean over the balconies of heaven right now and put a spiritual stethoscope in his ears and lay this listening instrument to the heart of the church. Could he hear his son's heartbeat again? And that's why I do what I do. That's why I preach the way I preach. That's why I recruit the way I recruit. That, that's why I ask people to serve the Lord because all I have left is him. for Jesus Christ will matter throughout the eons of time and eternity. Would you stand with me? Here's my question to you. Our church is growing by leaps and bounds. And from all the evidence that we can find, a large portion of it is coming through life groups. Myself and our staff sat down and said, what are we going to do? How in the world are we going to, how are we going to invigorate things? How are we going to put more energy, more time into our life groups? So here's the way it's going to work this coming semester. I'm going to preach a message. There'll be seven of them. I'm going to preach a message much like right now. Everybody who's willing to lead a group, you don't have to be no no regent graduate or no seminary graduate. Anybody can, can 
pretty much, with, with very few exceptions, lead a group or host a group. The thing is this, I'm going to preach a message. All of those leaders will already, they're going to listen to it, but they're going to we'll provide with the tools necessary to outline the video. And all you have to do is go to life group. And when you get there, you're going to take the people deeper than I could take them here because I'm constrained right now with time. But you'll have an hour and a half. Uh, well, about an hour after you have a meal. But you'll be able to take them further and deeper. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be amazed at the people. You're amazed. If, if right now, the people that just come because of life groups. And here's the deal. So... I'm reaching out. I'm asking God. I'm asking the Lord to double our life groups. That don't mean there's got to be 20 in each one. I'm happy if we have 10 people sign up for this group to take this Bible study. Because, see, we're going to be launching what's called Transform across the entire church. The nursery, the kids, the, everybody's working in what's called Transform. We're going to see ourselves transformed spiritually physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, are you hearing me? Finan did I say financially? Vocationally, seven areas. We're, gonna, we're going to see ourselves transformed. It's going to start in the pulpit and it's going to go that week. They're going to take you so much deeper. So what I need you to do now, my heads about and eyes are closed. I want you to think about it. And what you're doing right now, you're saying, Pastor, I, I believe I could lead one of those groups. I believe maybe in my home I could open my home for 90 minutes, hour and a half, once a week, whatever day you choose. And you may host it and lead it. Um, or you may just say, I'm willing to I'm willing to open my home, whatever the case may be. But next week, I, I want you to pray this week because I, I don't want you to be in the, caught up in the emotion of my message. And I want it to be something that God really wants you to do and that you really feel passionate about. But after I preach next Sunday morning, I'm going to have a card down front. There will be a card on every pew or pew seat. And you'll be able to, to respond and say, yes, Pastor. I want to be a part of what God's going to do because you guys are going to be the key to catapulting us to the next level. God is going to, he's going to usher people in unbelievable that are lost. And guess what? They're going to get to hear the heartbeat of Jesus. So right now I'm going to pray for you and I want you to really consider it right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you right now, Lord, would you touch every man and woman in this building? Let them truly consider God hosting and or leading one of these life groups. Lord, my goal, you know, Lord, I want to see our groups go over the top. I'm believing you, God. Uh, we're going to see people sign up beyond belief. It's going to take this, this same theme that I preach on Sunday. They're going to delve deeper into it, and they will get something out of life group that they couldn't get anywhere else. I pray, Lord, right now that come next Sunday, we'll sign these cards and we'll see a tremendous increase in life groups. Give the Lord praise, would you? Our host is coming.